Welcome to episode 118 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. On topic this week, a levy that could determine not one, but two athletic programs in the Cincinnati area. Plus, find out how the Bengals fared in week five, how the Blue Jackets are doing, the end of the regular season and MLS, plus week six, high school football scores. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to sports happening in the Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio region. Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcasts to listen on your favorite platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and more. Follow the host on Twitter at the Lee W. Mallon and the podcast at Sunday Pod. Opening theme is Arpy by Dan Hennig from the YouTube Music Library Collection. Now for your host, Lee W. Mallon. Before we get into sports... This podcast is now available on Pandora. That's right. I'm not sure how long exactly this podcast has been available for. Because I thought Pandora was supposed to email you saying, Hey, your podcast has been approved. And they never did. And I checked it yesterday. It's like, hey, my podcast is on Pandora. So there you go. You can go to Pandora, search for the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Or easier... Go to theleewmowen.com slash podcast, and it's there in the listen here section. Pandora! Hooray! I was quite excited when Pandora started taking podcast exceptions, and now it's on there, so... Woohoo! Anyway, episode 118. I mentioned that there's a school levy. There's tons of school levies everywhere. That's nothing new or anything, you know... That doesn't happen outside Cincinnati, Dayton. But there's a levy that could affect not one, but two high school athletic programs. And we'll talk about that after we get through week six of Ohio high school football scores. Yes, I know it's Thursday. Sorry. Life always finds a way. Also, Jeff Goldblum. But here's your week six scores. You know, because today starts week seven, technically. We'll start off with the cross-county conference. First win of the year for Tri-County North. They defeat Twin Valley South 35-28. Mississinawa Valley with a big win over National Trail 36-31. It's Covington 35, Miami East 13. Tri-Village shut out Victors over Bradford 42-0. Arcanum edges Ansonia 21-20. And Fort Loramie defeats Bethel 59-0. Now to the Southwestern Buckeye League scores for you. This game was the Thursday night TV game as Middletown Madison, big winners in New Lebanon, they take down Dixie 48-13. Bellbrook gives Valley View their first loss of 2019. Homecoming for the Golden Eagles as they defeat the Spartans 30-19. Eaton with their second win in the road, they take down Monroe 27-21. Franklin 38, Preble Shawnee 36. Brookville 35, Oakwood 14, 
Northridge and the Polar Bears shut out the Carlisle Indians 46-0, and Waynesville 35, Milton Union 21. Onwards to the Miami Valley League we go, as West Carrollton, their first win in 2019, as they take down Piqua 39-34, Xenia 21, Vandalia Butler 0, Sydney edges out Fairborn 24-17, Troy 42, Stebbin 7, and Greenville 21, Tippecanoe 7. To the Greater Western Ohio Conference as Fairmont, their first win in 2019, comes against the Miamisburg Vikings, Firebirds 14, Miamisburg 7, Springboro stays undefeated with a 27-21 win over Northmont. Centerville wins their fourth straight on the year. They take down Wayne with a last-minute touchdown, 27-21. Springfield big winners over Beaver Creek, Wildcats 61, Beaver 0. And Trotwood Madison edges out Lebanon, 28-23. Moving onwards to the Central Buckeye Conference with Northwestern defeating Urbana 31-7, North Union 35, Indian Lake 14, Jonathan Alder 35, Kenton Ridge 16, Springfield Shawnee 36, Bell Fountain 29, Graham defeats Ben Logan 34-32, and London big winners over Tecumseh 48-7. Upwards to the Northwest Central Conference, a Saturday game as Lehman Catholic wins big over Marion Elgin 43-12, Harden Norvin 28, Riverside 14, Upper Scioto Valley 42, Ridgemont 14, and Lima Perry 40, Waynesville Goshen 14. We'll stay the Northern Quadrant in Miami Valley to the Western Buckeye League where Ottawa Glandorf and Salina one point loss. It is Titans 24, Bulldogs 23. Lima Bath edges out Defiance 13 6. Wapakoneta wins huge over Elida 63 20. Rebounding from their first loss of the year last week. St. Mary's 39, Kenton 34, and Van Wart 34, Lima Shawnee 21. Heading back south towards the Ohio Heritage Conference, where Madison Plains defeats Cedarville 36-7. Greenan rolls over the Irish as Springfield Catholic Central 63-0. Fairbanks 37, Northeastern 13. First win of the year for Southeastern, they take down Greenview 35-14. West Jefferson keeps rolling 30-22 over Mechanicsburg. Big win over Mechanicsburg. And West Liberty Salem 42, Triad 0. One conference game in the Dayton City League last week. It was Thurgood Marshall defeating Belmont 49-18. Back up north we go to the Midwest Athletic Conference where Minster takes care of Delphi St. John's 36-6. Coldwater 42, New Bremen 16. Marion Local flying over St. Henry 35-14, Anna 42, Versailles 7, and Fort Recovery 27, Parkway 26. Heading back south to the Cincinnati-Dayton area for the Greater Catholic League, Baton defeats Alter in a very big crushing win for the Rams, 42-7 over the Knights, Chaminade Julian 56, Carroll 27, Fenwick 13, McNicholas 7, the 100th matchup. Between Elder and St. Xavier, it went in the favor of the Panthers as Elder defeats St. X 31-28. And this is considered an upset win for Elder as St. X was number one in, I believe it's Region 4, District 1. And Elder was two. And it was a big deal, especially on the Tri-State football show on 1530. It was until I lost it 
You know, I picked it up the first game I had with Loveland. I picked it up all the way to Miamisburg, West Carrollton, and it doesn't pick up as well from the Loveland and Mainville and South Lebanon area. In fact, I had to change the channel when I got into Lebanon. I was pretty disappointed, but there you go. And LaSalle 41, Muller 20. Now to the Cincinnati Hills League as Wyoming. They shut out Madeira 54-0. Indian Hill defeats Marymont 38-14. Redding 35, Taylor 14. And Deer Park 34, Finneytown 6. As we roll along to the Greater Miami Conference. Lakota West shuts out Oak Hills 35-0. Fairfield edges out Lakota East 20-14. Colerain 27, Sycamore 7. Princeton 43, Middletown 21. And Mason takes care of Hamilton 35-21. To the Eastern Cincinnati Conference. Turpin 39, Wadat Hill 7. The Spartans are undefeated. 3-0 in the league, 6-0 overall. Kings 56, Wathrow 21, first ECC win of the year for the Knights. Anderson 48, Milford 13. The Redskins are 3-0 as well with the Turpin Spartans. And the game I had on ESPMediaSN.com was Claremont 41, Loveland 7. Start off well for Loveland. West Claremont had a couple fumbles and turned over our downs and missed a field goal. But early on the second quarter, things turned around for the Wolves. And they scored 41 unanswered to close the game. Now to the Southern Buckeye Athletic and Academic Conference. We have Bethel Tate defeating East Clinton 40-7. New Richmond 35, Western Brown 3. Clinton Massey 35, Goshen 7, Williamsburg 37, Fayetteville 19. Wilmington 59, Batavia 7. And Blanchester 19, Claremont Northeastern 7. Onwards to the Southwest Ohio Conference. Harrison hands Talawanda their second straight loss under head coach Larry Cox. It is Harrison 42 and the Braves 7. Little Miami 31, Northwest 21, and Ross edges out Edgewood. I didn't even plan that. Sorry. Ross edges out Edgewood in OT 21 to 20. And now down to the Cincinnati Metro Athletic Conference. A non-Friday tilt for you. There's two of them, actually. Taft 39, Schroeder 0. Aiken clips Western Hills 34-28. Another non-Friday game is Hughes defeats Hillcrest 34-6. And Woodward picks up their first one of the year against Gamble Montessori 24 to nothing. The Hughes and Hillcrest game, I believe I have it marked down here. We'll talk a little bit about that when we get to the non-league games. Yes, there are non-league games to talk about. We'll cover the Miami Valley Conference first with New Miami for the first time ever in school history, undefeated at this point in the season. They knock off Cincinnati College Prep 55-32. Roger Bacon 48, Purcell Marion 0. It is still weird to see Roger Bacon and Purcell Marion not playing football in the GCL, but they're giving it a roar, a whirl, not a whirl. But they're giving a whirl to see what MVC football's about compared to GCL. All the other sports staying in the GCL for Roger Bacon and Purcell Marion, just not football. I think that's, what, a two- or three-year tryout type of thing? Anyway, North College Hill 51, Cincinnati Country Day 8. Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy 62, Norwood 10. St. Bernard M. Wood Place 31, Miami Valley Christian 0. 
and Lachlan 35, Clark Montessori 12. Now your non-league games. There are a couple to talk about. We'll start off with Troy Christian handing Ponnets Tech a 26-12 loss on a Thursday last week. Dunbar shuts out Taze Valley 28-0. Mount Healthy flies over Campbell County, Kentucky 21-7. Columbus East 42, Meadowdale 0. Summit Country Day 42, Dayton Christian 41. I believe Dayton Christian and the Warriors are independent in football because Metro Buckeye Conference hasn't uh, the uh, conference they're in for other sports. They don't support football and have it since 2011. So I assume Dayton Christian, they're not in the MVC standing, so I assume they're independent. If I'm wrong, tell me. Actually, I think Max Preps had them in the Freelancer League, and I got a good kick out of that. We normally call that independent, but there you go, the Freelance League. I like that name better, actually. And Saturday afternoon game for Witten Woods. They travel all the way to St. Louis, Missouri, and they fall to Christian Brothers 42-31. to Like I mentioned a couple weeks, Witten Woods next year in the ECC, so the schedule is going to be a little bit different for the Warriors. Now to Indiana for some scores. Lafayette Jeff, or Jefferson as they're known, but they're in Lafayette. They defeat Richmond 54-12. Winchester 24, Hagerstown 0. East Central, number 2 in their district. Defeats Connorsville 69-7. And doesn't get any easier for the Connorsville Spartans. I think they take on the number 3 team this week. Lincoln 36, Union City 13. Knightstown 35, Tri-14. Centerville 27, Union County 14, and Shenandoah 30, Northeastern 18. Some college scores for you now. There are a lot of teams on a bye, but a big upset, and that's actually the thing I changed the channel from 1530 to 700 for. Cincinnati 27, then number 18, UCF 24. Big upset win at home for the Bearcats at Nippert Stadium. And I've mentioned it before, but listening to Dan Horde is enjoyable. He's one of my favorite broadcasters that are still in action since Marty retired. But yeah, I enjoyed listening to the game. It was nice to actually not have to deal with all the static. When a station gets too stacky, that's when I, you know, turn it off. And I switch it to something else. Luckily, the Bearcats were playing that night. The Miami Redhawks were off. They're at Western Michigan this Saturday. Cincinnati Christian, they suffered their biggest loss in the season to St. Andrews, 55-7. Dayton flies over Jacksonville, 56-28. Couple big performances there for the Flyers. Wittenberg was off. They're at home this Saturday for Community Day against Allegheny. Wilmington was also off. They're at home versus the juggernaut known as Mount Union and the Raiders. Yeah, they're pretty good at football, and like I mentioned, I think they're the best football team, college football team in Ohio. Don't like it? Sue me. Get your own opinion. Urbana suffers their second straight loss after starting off the season 4-0. They fall to Frostburg State 24-16. Central State defeats Edward Waters 28-21 as the Marauders prepare for homecoming this Saturday, a big event at CSU. Thomas Moore was off. They're at Campbellsville this Saturday. And for your club scores, Miami wins via forfeit against Eastern Michigan, 2-0. So the score really doesn't matter. Miami's now 2-0 after that forfeit win. And the Raiders on homecoming 
They fall to Coppin State 40-6. to And the Raiders now 2-2 two two on this 2019 campaign. Lots of home matches for the Raiders, and I wholeheartedly recommend going to Mulholland Field to catch this talented Raiders squad. Only 18 players on WSU's team, but you know what? That's a talented bunch of 18 players. Now we move on to NFL scores again. We're going to talk about the Bengals and their fifth loss in the year. They fall to Arizona and the Cardinals, 26-23. Cliff Kingsbury picks up his first win as an NFL coach. Ravens edge out the Steelers, 26-23 and OT. Colts hand Kansas City their first loss in the year. Indianapolis, 19. Chiefs, 13. And Monday Night Football. Man, the last two weeks have not been kind to the state of Ohio as the Browns fall to the San Francisco 49ers, 31-3, and Matt Brieta had an 80-some-yard rushing touchdown on like one of the first offensive plays for the 49ers. And then I mentioned, hey, that's a great time to have him on the bench, although I still have the biggest blowout win in my fantasy football league. I have put it on my CV and sent out to employers immediately. We'll go over some other scores now. Your Wright State Volleyball team. The streak continues. The longest winning streak in the country. It's now at 16 as the Raiders took three more Horizon League matches at home. They took down Northern Kentucky in five, IUPUI in three, and Cleveland State in four yesterday. 16 straight wins. However, UIC is now on docket on the road, so the Raiders now have their first taste at Conference road time. And then next week, have Green Bay and Milwaukee on the road. Not sure if that's the right uh, pairing, if it's Green Bay first or Milwaukee first. But Milwaukee has the second longest winning streak. I think they're at 14. I think they're at 14. So yeah. Women's soccer for Wright State. They defeat Green Bay on the road 1-0 to go to 3-1 in Horizon League play. With league-leading Milwaukee coming into town. This Saturday at 3. Come out. You not only get to hear my voice, but this could determine if Wright State will host the Rising League Tournament or Milwaukee will for another time. Like I said, Milwaukee's pretty good. This Raiders squad, 3-1, and one, the only loss being on the road at UIC. And UIC's defeated NKU. I feel like they defeated another big team. Not sure. Men's soccer for Wright State on homecoming Saturday. They fell in OT to Oakland 3-2. And now 1-2 and in Horizon League play. And on Saturday, they have to deal with UIC. Who also has a pretty big stretch of wins at home. 18 straight matches. Although the last time Wright State played in Chicago against the Flames, Wright State came on top 2-0. Now we look at UD. As the women's soccer team defeated St. Bonaventure on the road 1-0. And at home against Davidson for Senior Day 3-2. 3-1-1 in A-10 play as UMass will be waiting the Flyers on Sunday. And next Thursday, next week, the Flyers women's soccer team back home against Duquesne. For the men's soccer team, they fell last night 2-1 in OT to VCU. The main goalie Federico Barrios had a red card on them. Against George Mason, I had to look that up and see why he wasn't playing. So Jack Steele got the start. Played quite well. Tolu Tolu Laolase Oladiembo scored the lone flyer goal. 
but the Flyers could not get on the right side of the scoreboard in OT and fell to VCU 2-1 to on the road. Mentioned last week, the Flyers fell to Marshall 2-0 to snap a four-match winning streak and also fell at George Mason in two overtimes, 3-2. to So the Flyers fell at VCU last night. They're back home this Saturday night against St. Bonaventure. Free admission, come out and see the Flyers men's soccer team play. Dayton Volleyball, they have a 3-0 start in A-10 play. With a away win at St. Louis in 3, a pair of home wins against Rhode Island in 4, and Fordham in 3. And now they take on the Georges of the A-10. First at George Mason on Friday, then at George Washington on Saturday. In case you don't know where those two campuses are, well, George Washington, that's Washington, D.C. George Mason is Fairfax, Virginia, right close to VCU and Richmond. So there you go. As you look at other scores, and now we talk about a levy that might see two high schools lose their athletic programs. Going to start this off right off the bat, saying I do not live in Colerain Township. I do not live around the area. I do not pay taxes in Colerain Township. Well, you kind of already got that, since I said I don't live there. But, this is a pretty big levy. And this is from Cincinnati.com in the Crime and Courts section. It wasn't in sports because it's not really based on sports. It's about money. And it's written by Cameron Knight. And this was published October the 3rd at 1.58. And the next day updated 12.03 to correct a couple of tax stats. Now I'm not going to read the whole thing to you off. The two schools are Colerain and Northwest. And it took me a while to realize that Northwest and Colerain are technically the same district. Colerain has the older high school. Colerain's been around since 1924. And the school district changed its name in the 70s to Northwest School District. Northwest is actually northeast of Colerain. But not too far apart, actually. I looked that up. See, I know... A lot about Cincinnati schools, I just don't know where most of them are. Colerain, I, you know, they're by Colerain Avenue, so there you go. So, Northwest local schools say if a school levy of the November ballot doesn't pass, all sports and music extracurriculars will be cut in the district, including football at Colerain. And you might know Colerain football is pretty darn ace. They haven't had a losing season since the early 1990s in 28 years. Yeah, they're pretty good. So not only would the Colerain Cardinals lose all their sports, so would the Northwest Knights. The cuts also include teachers, meaning class sizes will get bigger and there's more workload on teachers. Transportation is safe. For now. But... The two-mile state-mandated transportation limit could be on the table if the district doesn't pass the levy. The cuts approved by the Board of Education, if this levy fails on November the 5th, could total $9.1 million. That's a lot of dollars. The plan for reductions, I mentioned sports and music and everything extracurricular, a reduction of at least 20 administrative positions, a reduction of 24 middle and high school teachers, a reduction of 20 elementary school teachers, a reduction of nurses, librarians, assistants, and school resource officers, 
elimination of all sports and musics at middle and high schools, and arts, physical education, music, gifted classes, and advanced placement classes could also be eliminated. If it passes, this $7.5 million levy will cost the owner of a $100,000 house an additional $262.56 a year. That's $262.56, or about 22 bucks a month. District officials have said a levy failure would be catastrophic because the district would face a deficit of $8.5 million. I don't have to tell you, that's a lot of money. All sports will be eliminated, no exceptions will be made, and we will not be undersold. Two of those things were on the article. I bet you can guess which one wasn't. This is a new levy, which will run side by side with an existing operating levy. And this district has not raised taxes since 2007. That's pretty good. The existing levy, which was last renewed two years ago by more than 75% of the voters, is for 5.04 mils. I assume that's a little over 5 million and not 5 and 4 one-hundredths of a mil. Renewal, renewal, renewal levies have a set dollar amount, and that amount never changes. And the amount of funds received in 2012 and 2017 were based on the 2007 amount. So, your home value in Colerain Township, I never realized how big Colerain Township was, and I never really realized that Colerain isn't exactly a village. It's a township. There are several little villages around, and of course there's Northgate Mall on 27 and 126, and Colerain Avenue, like I mentioned, is U.S. Route 27. And part of State Route 126. In fact, the Ronald Reagan Highway starts close to there. Anyway, your median home value in Colerain Township is about $121,300, according to census data. A homeowner of that value is currently paying about $1,365. That's $1,365 without any tax credits. And this would be for an additional $318 a year bringing it up to 1683. Now, if it fails, this levy does, in November, officials say no cuts will be made right off the bat. It'll happen in August 2020, so don't worry about Colerain or Northwest losing their teams for winter or spring. It'd be next fall. And they'll try again in May, March, excuse me, March. The cuts will happen in August 2020 after the backstop levy campaign, which could make many cuts unnecessary if it passes. Now, I don't need to tell you, like I mentioned, Colerain football is pretty ace. 4-1 and one so far, I think now 5-1 and one after week 6. State championship brought home by the Cardinals in 2004. Undefeated in six seasons since 1994. And Colerain has now a losing season in 21, or 28 years, excuse me. So that would be, what, 1990, 1991, last losing season of Colerain? Now, Northwest Knights, they might not have as colorful as a history of Colerain, but they're not bad either. They're a good school, good athletes. Now, last winning season for the Knights happened in 2016, and that was the same year that the Boosters helped rehab the Castle, the high school stadium, which I think is just the greatest name for a high school venue in Cincinnati-Dayton area. 
That's its last winning season back in 2016. I'm not here to tell you how to vote. I'm not here to tell you vote yes, vote no. If you can vote on the levy, do your own research, and then decide with your own heart. What I hate is that so many extracurriculars are being cut if it fails, which we'll find out next month. That's how voting works. If it does fail, then what's, what, what's going to happen, you know? I feel like extracurriculars are great because then there's more stuff to do and, you know, sports. You know, this is a sports podcast. I bet you didn't guess that. Anyway, I, like I said, I'm not telling you to vote yes or no on it. It would be a shame if two schools had to lose out their spots in their conferences just because, you know, money couldn't be made. I think it'll pass. There's a lot of people that were negative on it. It's just like, oh, it's a scare tactic, you know, so that people will pass it. I I don't think it's a scare tactic. I think it's the truth, you know, because think about it, running a school, it's not cheap. That's why you don't see random people just, you know, running random schools. So, it could be the end of Coleraine Cardinals and Northwest Knights. But, we'll have to see once voting day's over, November the 5th. It'll be one to watch out for. I do have an article shared on my Facebook page about Miami Valley levies. Which, uh, I don't know if any sports are on the table. I can remember a time when Preble Shawnee had to can all their fall sports in 2005, and it threw a wrench into uh, high school football playoffs just because, was it 2005, or was it 2004? I don't remember, but eventually they got another levy passed, and they had sports in the winter, so there you go. So it does happen, and it'd be a shame if it happened, but... Oh yeah, there's pretzel Pop-Tarts coming out in December. Ones like pretzel brown sugar cinnamon, which that might be nice, but I don't know about that. Anyway, you're not here for pretzel Pop-Tarts, you're here for levees in Miami Valley, because I told you I'd tell you what they were. This is from WDTN Channel 2. Your... There's a couple schools that are mentioned twice here. Upper Valley Career Center... Asking for $1.5 million for current expenses. Only one in Greene County at Southeastern, which I didn't think that was Greene County. I thought that was Clark County. Could be a different district name. Eh. Let's see, we'll look at Montgomery County. Centerville's looking for permanent improvements and additional funds for $6.9 million. Miamisburg's asking for $8.3 million for substitute for emergency operating levy. Northmont's asking for $9 million for a renewal of current operating expenses. West Carrollton looking for $5.6 million for constructing and improving school facilities. West Carrollton's high school is pretty old, but then again, so is Valley Views. Old buildings don't mean, you know. Now, of course, if you have new technology, go through the pipeline. It's probably harder to install in older buildings, but there you go. And plus, you have the worry of overcrowding. My uh, fiancé tells me, about Miamisburg and some of the overcrowding, which I don't know if that's true or not. I never went to Miamisburg, but there you go. 
Mentioned West Carrollton asking $5.6 million for constructing and improving school facilities. Brookville's asking for 800000 for renewal for permanent improvements. Brookville's also asking for emergency operating expenses, so they'll probably put it at $1.04 million. And New Lebanon is asking for 75.75% income tax renewal. If it's 75%, then woo, New Lebanon's going to be a ghost town. Everyone moves out. 0.75. Preble County, I mentioned Brookville. The school district does kind of leak into Preble County. Eaton's asking for renewal of income tax. So is National Trail. It's 0.75%. Let's see, what's well, Shelby County's got one. Anna's looking for four million for renewal for current operating expenses. Lebanon in Warren County, a little under five million for additional to avoid operating deficit. That means to screw up. We'll look at Miami County. Bethel's looking for income tax renewal at point seven five. Covington's looking for one point two five percent income tax. It's a renewal for current expenses. Miami's looking for point eight mil. For renewals, for improvements, Milton Union 0.7, Tip City 4.5 million for emergency requirements, Tecumseh 4 million and 7.41, 4 millions for renewal for improvements, and emergency requirements is a 7.41 million. Never thought I'd be talking about levies on this podcast, but lo and behold, that's what I'm doing. Talked about uh, Tip City already, Tecumseh. I already talked about that, talked about Northmont. Franklin Monroe's looking for one million. That is Dark County. Why is that in Miami County? I guess the uh the school leaks into there too. Uh Franklin Monroe's looking for one million for permanent improvements. Troy, five point nine, and I mentioned Upper Valley Career Center already. Mercer Marion Local, one point eight million for renewal. Logan County's got Ben Logan, West Liberty Salem, Ridgemont, and Triad. Green County's got Southeastern. Like I mentioned, I didn't think that was Green County. Maybe it's part of Green County and mostly in Clark County, like I thought. Okay, cool. So I'm not just dreaming it. Mansion, Franklin Monroe, Marion Local, and Northmont, and National Trail, and Upper Valley. As Dark County's got Arcanum for 0.75% of a renewal income tax. And Sonia's looking for a million for permanent improvements. I do like Sonia's, uh, Sonia's, uh, school building. I was gonna say basketball gym, which is the only reason I'd be there for, but yeah, I do like that place. Clark County, I mentioned Tecumseh Greenan, 6.55 million for replacement levy for school requirements. Springfield, 7 million for a renewal levy. And Southeastern, I already mentioned. Champaign County, you got Graham, Miami East, Triad. Miami East reaches out to Champaign County? Really? Hmm. Triad. Oh, Triad has something for athletic facility improvements and fieldhouse for 25 years for 1.5, 1.75 million. It's the first real athletic thing that's listed on here. And Allgoyce County, I mentioned Marion Local, I mentioned Upper Valley Career Center. If you want to see the article, it's on WDTN.com. You go to a place, oh, your local election HQ, and you can find out things. Like I said, you vote after doing research. Do research, then go vote. 
And that's a perfect time to step aside and get ready to talk about the Bengals' loss and the end of the MOS regular season and a little bit of Blue Jackets hockey here on episode 118 of the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Hey listeners, did you know that you can buy gear supporting the local Sunday Sports Podcast? Visit theleewmallon.com slash podcast, then click on Buy Podcast Merchandise, made by T Public. You can get shirts, hoodies, mugs, phone cases, and even stickers. Check out the local Sunday Sports gear by T Public. Hey folks, this is Lee W. Mallon of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. I'm here to talk to you about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain why. Anchor is 100% free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership required. It's everything you need to make a podcast, all in one place, and all for free. I love hosting on Anchor. It's been super easy to upload episodes, and when I had a problem with something, their tech support got it fixed very quickly. Download the free Anchor app on Google Play or in the App Store, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, the easiest way on making a podcast. Hey, did you enjoy your break? I did, I got something to eat. And now, let's dive into this Cincinnati Bengals game against the Arizona Cardinals. This is a game I was hoping the Bengals would win. They did not. Both teams were winless coming in. Arizona, what would that be, 0-3-1? And, and Cincinnati 0-4. And in case you're wondering what that 1 was, that's the tie they had against the Detroit Lions. There are positives and negatives to take away from this game, as always. Bengals lost it 26-23. It was a game that I just felt the Bengals never were ahead. I mean, they were playing behind the eight ball the pretty much the entire match. Yes, Cincinnati got off to a 3-0 lead again, the least the second straight game they've done that, but after that, couldn't come back. Did tie it late, but Arizona kicked a field goal with no time left on the clock to win it. 0-5 are the Bengals. Now to hear the stats from the game book. Andy Dalton, 27-38 for 262 yards, two touchdowns, sacks once, so it was a lot better than the eight sacks given up to Pittsburgh, but still, one sack. Opposite of Kyler Murray, 20-32, 253 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Andy Dalton, the better quarterback in the match, have a rating of 107.6 compared to Murray's 87.1. Both touchdowns scored in the game by Arizona were rushing touchdowns. Murray had one touchdown on 10 carries, 93 yards. And Edmonds had the ever-rushing touchdown for Arizona, 8 carries, 68 yards. David Johnson, 17 carries, 91 yards. And the Cardinals rushing picked up 266 yards on 38 attempts, about 7 yards per rush. In fact, the average is flat 7. Whereas the Bengals, I keep hearing people saying that Mixon had a 100-yard game, but it says he had 93 yards, so 
I don't know if the stats are wrong or everyone else is wrong. I just like to think everyone else is wrong, so there you go. By everyone else, I mean stats and everyone, so there. No, no picking sides for me. Mixon, 93 yards, 19 rushes, no touchdowns. Bernard, two carries, 10 yards. That's right, I said two carries, 10 yards. And Dalton had five yards on two keeps. Bengals did crack 100 yards on the ground with 108 and 23 carries, but still, that's that's not the best number. That's 4.7 yards per carry for Cincinnati. I mean, Mixon got close to the 100 yards, and it's not, you know, the 40 or 60 yards that Bengals have occurred earlier this year, but still. At this point, I want more. I want to see the Bengals run more, and I want to see that running game being put to the test. And you got Mixon, you got Bernard, that's a pretty handy one-two combo. Why, why are the Bengals being handcuffed like that? I don't know. If you'd like to talk about receivers, well, Arizona, none of their wide receivers got a touchdown. In fact, I thought about putting uh, Larry Fitzgerald on my lineup, but I think at the last minute I said, nah. Or did he get start? I don't remember. 58 yards for Larry, 6 catches, 8 targets. 65 yards for David Johnson with 3 catches, 5 attempts. 3 catches, 22 yards for Kay Johnson. Edmonds, three catches, 18 yards. Two catches for Farrell Cooper. Also, he was the return man, the punt return man for the Arizona Cardinals. And yes, was a bangle for about a couple days. And I don't think he saw the field with the Bengals at all. It was literally picked up on a Monday or Tuesday, and then that was that. Yeah. So 253 yards from the quarterback to... That's eight receivers for Arizona. For Cincinnati, Tyler Boyd led the way, 123 yards and a touchdown on 10 catches, 14 targets. Four catches, four targets for Willis for 38 yards. Three catches on six targets for 26 yards and a touchdown for Auden Tate. Giovanni Bernard got on the pass receiving stats. Three catches, three targets, 16 yards. Uzoma, two catches, 16 yards. Two catches for Eifert for 14 yards. A catch for Mixon for 16 yards, a catch for Erickson going 7, and Spencer Morgan, was it Spencer Morgan or Stanley Morgan, excuse me, Stanley Morgan, one catch, two targets, six yards. Morgan had to come in the game because I think that's when the Bengals lost Erickson due to injury. Both teams had their punters punted away three times. Winslow for Arizona, 150 yards, and with a touchback and pitting the Bengals inside the 20 once. Huber. Didn't have any of that, but it had a 63-yard punt, 147 yards on three punts. I mentioned Farrell Cooper is also the punt return man and the kickoff return man. Four total returns on both sides. 52 yards off the kickoff and 24 yards off the punt for Cooper. For punts, Erickson, one return, 10 yards. Boyd, one return, negative one yards. And Wilson for kickoff. 97 yards, 3 returns. That's not bad. Bengals with a fumble. It was off Andy Dalton, but he did not lose it. He picked it up himself. 26 first downs for Arizona, 21 for the Bengals. The Cardinals got 11 first downs via rushing, 13 through the air, and 2 by penalty. The Bengals 6 through rushing, 12 through the air, and 3 through the yellow flags. 
I'm not going to lie to you. Talking about an 0-5 team does hurt. And just seeing the Bengals down that low in a year that the AFC North is pretty much up for grabs, it, it hurts. But how many times can I say, offensive line, offensive line, offensive line, and, you know, be relevant, be fun to listen to. There's not much I can do, but I will say Dan Horde, there was a play during the postgame show they said the offensive line gave great protection. I think it might have been Andy Dalton's uh, touchdown pass. I forget if it was Tate or the other one, but might have not even been a touchdown. I thought it was, but one sack allowed. You know what? That happens. One sack. It's not the end of the world. You get yourself up and then do that thing. Try to see what else I could talk about through the stats. Cardinals had more time with the ball, 31 minutes, 3 seconds, compared to Cincinnati's 28-57. And it was 26-23 Cardinals. First win for Cliff Kingsbury in the NFL. And Zach Taylor still waiting on his first. What is it about the Cincinnati team? The odd weeks, which is 1-3-5, the odd number weeks, the Bengals put up quite a fight and they can win it, but it's always like the last drive that bites them in the butt. Whereas week 2 and 4... Blowouts. San Fran, Pittsburgh. I, I don't get it. Now, Baltimore's waiting in Maryland for these Bengals. Although, Baltimore does have a few of their key components not practicing this week, which doesn't always mean anything. Sometimes it does. Other times, it's just they're getting rest, but... I... I... I'm really hoping the Bengals can pick up a win at M&T Bank Stadium, but I, I don't know. It's it still M&T? I don't know. Someone let me know on that. But, yeah, the Bengals are 0-5. I still don't think the Bengals are going to go 0-16. But, I've been wrong before. Maybe that's just the, uh, the positive side of me thinking that, hey, you know, it could be a lot worse. Uh, Paul Doherty and the Enquirer, I didn't read it, but I saw it that he wrote an article saying, if you think we're worse off in 2019 compared to 1995, you are mistaken, and there's no help for you. Like I said, didn't read the article, but there you go. I feel like there's still a bright future ahead, but let me tell you, whew. I got to run the phones this week for the Kenner and Slemmer show on ESPN 1410, which is me just saying what the show's name, getting people on hold, and there you go. That's that's all I did, but still, it's nice to be part of a radio station, part of a radio show. And I tell you, there was a lot of back and forth between Bengals and Browns fans. Whew. Yeah, there's no love lost between those two squads. I don't hate Cleveland. I like to see the Browns do well. But I like to see the Bengals beat the Browns, because that's the Cincinnati side of me. And I know there's many people going, Oh, traitor! From both sides, but that's okay. Because I already said I don't care. But I tell you, ugh, the back and forth just, ugh. And there's some fans having fun on the Browns loss and everything, which, you know, Sam Friends turned out to be a great team. Kyle Shanahan, you could give him credit. That offensive line is big and tough for Sam Fran. Also getting one of your first plays on offense for a touchdown for 80-some yards, that helps too. But untouched, untouched too. 
not going to go into the handshake uh, debacle, because there is a video that's proving that Baker Mayfield did shake Richard Sherman's hand, but not getting into that. In terms of the Browns, I, I feel like the coaching staff and the waves of change didn't carry over, because you know, Greg Williams, he's had a couple days to you know, think his game plan and you know, take over for Hugh Jackson, who was fired. I'm still not fully sold in the Freddy Kitchens hire. I know there's a lot of people that aren't, but is it Freddy's trying to do too much as HC? And compared to where he's the OC calling the plays, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's ailing the Browns. I don't fully know what's ailing the Bengals, too, other than offensive line, and A.J. Green's absence doesn't help. He's a leader on the field. He wants to stay in Cincinnati. Do you hear a lot of Bengals say they'd like to stay in Cincinnati? No, I I don't, but A.J. Green's one of them, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing Green back on the field. I think that'll make the defenses have to cover him more, and maybe that'll give the offense a little room to breathe. Like I said, I, I feel like the Bengals, they were competitive, but I don't think they were ahead of the eight ball at all against Arizona. So... We'll see how Baltimore fares in Maryland on the road for the Bengals. I have a gut feeling that I'm going to be talking about an own six Bengals team next week, but I can hope not. So there you go. Especially since I have... Actually, didn't I get rid of Baltimore's defense? I don't know. You don't need to know that. But let's talk a little bit, as we'll close out episode 118, about MLS and NHL. As you might know, MOS season is over, and now it's playoff time. And FC Cincinnati is definitely not in the playoff picture, nor the Columbus crew. The crew finished in 10th place out of 12 teams, and FC Cincinnati had the worst year ever for an MOS team. 6-22-6 went FC Cincinnati, 3-11-3 at home and on the road. Not too often you can have the same record, no matter where you play. And a goal differential of negative 44, which is a record low in the MLS. Keep in mind, this is a league that's been playing since the mid-1990s. So, yeah. If you thought this year was a good year for FC Cincinnati, I don't know what to tell you. Performance-wise by the team, no. Uh Uh-uh. Attendance-wise, great, but attendance figures don't really win you championships, do they? You don't get a championship cup like, you drew the most! Congratulations! Maybe you do, but I don't think the MLS does it. So, what's going to happen next year for FC Cincinnati? I have no clue, and I really hope the front office is prepared to field a team of players that are ready for MLS. Whether they're experienced players or players that can handle this side. I feel like there's a couple of FC players, FC Cincinnati players I've already sent packing. I think Corbin Bone might be one of them. But, yeah, 2020 is around the corner, and I feel like the future is quite bright for FC Cincinnati. But I'm not sure what the next steps will be. Whatever they will be, I'll let you know through this podcast. Now, the Columbus crew on the other side, that rough summer, that rough month of 
what was it, June, May, June, or June, July? One of those that I mentioned. Yeah, crew were close to last place. They did climb out a little bit, became competitive. Crew finished 10, 16, and 8, which four wins better and two draws better than FC Cincinnati. 6, 6, and 5 in Central Ohio, 4, 10, and 3 elsewhere. So, Caleb Porter's got his work cut out for him for year two in Central Ohio. I'll tell you something, though. I think today's the day where the crew and the owners are breaking ground on what's going to be the new stadium. Someone mentioned there's not enough room to put a stadium there, but we'll see how it goes. I, myself, can't wait to see what this new crew stadium is going to look like, actually built up. So, definitely excited for that. Also excited for the fact that the crew are still in Ohio, so take that. Take that, uh, I can't think of his name. Anthony Precourt, and take your Austin team, you know, to Austin. There you go, that's such a great, witty comeback from me. I'm glad we had this talk. So now it's the Audi 2019 MLS Cup playoffs. How do they work? Well, you win, you keep playing, you lose, you're done. I'm not getting too technical, am I? And I wonder why I have such a low number of fans listening. We'll talk about the playoffs for round one. They don't start till next week. In fact, October 19th, we'll have, I count, four matches. October 20th, we'll have two. So we'll go ahead and cover round one. In the East, it's number four, Toronto, against number five, D.C. United. Number three, Philadelphia, against number six, New York Red Bulls. And number two, Atlanta, takes on number seven, New England. New England being the last team to make it. They clinched on second last day, uh, last game, last match. And then New York City FC will wait the winner of Toronto DC United. And the winners of Philadelphia Red Bulls and Atlanta New England will play October 24th. We'll go to the West to let you know that LAFC, I believe they won the Supporter Shield. That's the best record in MLS. 21-4-9. Yep, it even has an S saying they have the supporter shield and a one playoff seed in the conference. So congrats go out to them. A very young, very young organization in terms of, you know, being a thing. 13-1-3 at home, too. That's, uh, that's pretty good. Very good, actually. LAFC will take on the winner of Minnesota and LA Galaxy. That's your 4-5 and five battle. Three and six is Real Salt Lake against Portland, and two and seven is Seattle taking on FC Dallas. The Audi 2019 Cup playoffs end on November 10th at three, and that'll be for the MOS Cup. You gotta think LAFC's the favorite to win it, Supporter Shield. I mean, that's basically your, hey, you kinda just fall along with the crew and FC Cincinnati scores, so, you know. I think it'll be really interesting to see through the playoffs. That's 14 solid teams in there. So we'll see how things happen. It would have been nice if there was an Ohio team in the playoffs, but the cards didn't fold right for that. Maybe in 2020. Maybe both teams can get in 2020. It's like Ohio versus MLS World or something. I don't know. And now, to close up the episode, Blue Jackets. They started. And it's very early in the season. And the Blue Jackets are not in the basement, but they're pretty darn close to it. 
Blue Jackets are 1-2 and two to start off the year, and the first two games did not go out well for the Blue Jackets, as the home opener turned out to be a 4-1 win for the Toronto Maple Leafs, a very solid team, but they need to get past the voices of Boston through the playoffs, and this is their year, it has to be. And Pittsburgh handed the Blue Jackets a 7-2 loss in Pennsylvania. That was not a pretty game. It got up to 7-1 to at one point. Yeah, not pretty. Jack Johnson. <laughs> Jack Johnson scored the first goal for the Penguins, former Blue Jacket defender. <laughs> he tweeted earlier in the day that, you know what? Jack Johnson's going to have the first goal. Count on it. Because I tweeted it, it will be true. And what do you know? It was. It was great. But that following Monday, that'd be the third game in four days for the Jackets, they picked up a nice home win. Against Buffalo in OT, 4-3. to And Buffalo, I think they're undefeated, right? 3-0-1, well, I can't say undefeated. I'm thinking soccer terms. My apologies. But yeah, Buffalo, three wins, one overtime loss. That's pretty good. They have a plus seven goal differential due to Sabres. And recently coming off a 5-4 win against the Canadiens of Montreal. Currently leading the Atlantic Division, but like I said, we're like four games in. Three for Columbus. Ottawa's 0-2, so they're in the basement. Worst goal differential, not Columbus, although negative seven, that's one of the lower ones. Negative ten by the New Jersey Devils. Which surprised me a little bit, because I thought the Devils were going to be you know, a sharp team. Then again, they fell. They had a 4 nothing lead against Winnipeg, and then Winnipeg came back and won in a shootout. That was crazy. The Stanley Cup defenders, St. Louis, they're 2-0-1 to start off the year. Plus one goal differential. I like the Winnipeg Jets. They are 2-2 so far. Negative one goal differential. But a nice win at Pittsburgh for the one. Trying to see if there's any big surprises. Arizona's not in the basement. Wow. Yeah, I mean... I know there's fans that support the Coyotes, but... Eh, just see a 10... Eh. I don't know, I have a good friend that works with the Coyotes, so I'm not on the move Arizona to Quebec City already. Bandwagon. At least not yet, but there we go. San Jose actually has the worst goal differential looking at it. Negative 12. Five goals scored, 17 allowed. And 0-4 are the Sharks. Ouch. Maybe it's a rough start. Who knows? But it always seems like the Sharks find the way in the playoffs, so. Three games of hockey for the Blue Jackets. In case you're wondering, what's next? Anaheim comes in, and the Ducks are undefeated. I think they're 4-0. 3-0, I beg your pardon. 3-0. And then it's a road trip to face a bunch of jerks. I still need one of those shirts. Columbus will be at Carolina this Saturday, hosting Anaheim tomorrow. <laughs> I still love the bunch of jerks thing. That's so great. <laughs> and the Hurricanes embracing that. I I dig that, and I like Carolina more because of it. And then the next home game after Friday will be next Wednesday, the 16th, against Dallas. New York Islanders are in. Actually, for my own curiosity, Winnipeg in Columbus this year. Canadians are. Columbus is at Winnipeg in November, around Thanksgiving. Still don't see a Jet logo. You know, the, ah, Winnipeg's in town on January 22nd. Hope to get to that game, because I like both those teams. 
Then again, what team don't I like anymore? Oh, well. And that will conclude episode 118 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. I just looked at who just followed me on Twitter, and I can't mention that on here. Good lord. Anyway. Follow along on Twitter, the Lee W. Mowen and Sunday Pod. This podcast is now on Pandora! Go and listen to it. Easiest way, go on the Pandora app or online, or search Pandora, or go to the leewmountain.com slash podcast and pick Pandora, or any of your favorite platforms from there. Until next week, hopefully, not a Thursday, this is Lee W. Mowen signing off. Talk to you again next week for more Cincinnati and Dayton sports. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. To subscribe to the podcast, please visit the leewmowen.com slash podcast. From there, you can choose your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. Interact with the podcast and host on Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen and at Sunday Pod. Like the Facebook page, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and download the free Flick Chat app. Then search for the local Sunday Sports Group to submit your future Mowen's Mailbag questions. The closing theme is Lights Go Down by Dan Hennig, provided by the YouTube Music Library Collection. This is Lee W. Mowen, and I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please join me again next week on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.